So you can be seated. Obviously, this isn't our usual Sunday morning flow. Um, we have several people out, and so uh, we just kind of adjusted, more of a, a different kind of feel. Um, a lot of you have commented on the way in that the first service was, you didn't see any cars, and there were people here, I promise. Um, not quite as what we have in here, but there were still people here. Um, and then we actually got out kind of early, so that'll be my gift to you for the beginning of the new year. Um, <laughs> don't tell Brooks. Shh. But <laughs> um, I don't know about you guys, I've had a fantastic Christmas. I feel very blessed uh, with the Christmas that we've had as our family. And when I say blessed, having my kids on the front row, they are going to say that they were blessed by lots of stuff, right, for the kids that are in the room. The stuff is, is the bigger part oftentimes. Um, the things that they get, the presents they have, that kind of thing. Um, for adults, sometimes it can be the same. We can kind of lend ourselves towards the stuff. But also for adults, for Adrian and I, as we think about the blessings that we have, we have our health, for one, um, this flu and stuff that's been going around. We, I think, fully, by God's grace, have not gotten that yet, and we pray that that continues. Um, we haven't had any family loss this year. Um, personally and somewhat um, superficially, we aren't paying a second mortgage now that we've transitioned and sold the house. So that's a huge blessing this Christmas, is not to have to deal with that. Um, so we've been very blessed ourselves this Christmas. But Oftentimes when it comes to Christmas, we think of the word more, and that comes to mind a lot. Um, with kids, it's more stuff, more presents. Um, I don't know about your kids, but mine like, started like pointing out presents and trying to figure out how many they had versus the other kid, and it, and it was like this game, like, I got more than you do, ha, 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 and, and really not what it's about at all. So we try to kind of redirect some of that excitement and that enthusiasm, but more becomes a word that happens a lot this time of year. Uh, for adults, it could be that we have uh, more things to do on our schedule, for adults, it could be that we have more debt because we bought stuff we shouldn't have. It could be that we want more time with our friends and our family. It could be that we want more things for this coming year as we look towards 2015 and 2014 wraps up. There's a lot of, of the idea of more. And as I was sitting down and really trying to figure out what God wanted me to share this last Sunday of, of 2014, he kind of led me towards this Ephesians 3 passage, which I've used in the past for my own devotions. And this Ephesians 3 is, is huge. And, and the takeaway from it is immeasurably more. And that's going to be kind of our, our idea and our idea our overall takeaway today is immeasurably more from Ephesians 3. If you have a Bible with you, turn with us. It's Ephesians 3, 14 through 21. It's where we're going to hang out. Um, we'll start with the first part here in just a second. If you don't have a Bible, no worries. We'll have it on the screen so you guys can follow along there as well. But Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 14. It says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And we'll get back to the rest of it in a second, but let's start here. Paul is beginning to write a prayer out, and this prayer had started at the very beginning of chapter 3, and he kind of has a little sidebar of thought, and then he comes back to it here in verse 14. And what it starts with is Paul saying, on my knees I'm praying for you. And it's interesting to understand the difference between the, the, the position that Paul takes in prayer here. Praying down on your knees is not such a far-fetched thing for us today. But in this time period, for a Jewish man, this was very atypical. This was not how you would pray. A Jewish man would stand and with his hands outstretched pray to God. And so for Paul to be on his knees on the behalf of the believers of those reading this letter, it shows that there was something very important in his prayer, and there was a, a, a passion that wasn't just the regular, hey, God, I'm checking in kind of prayer. There was something else to it. And so as you think about it and, and you start reading this next little section, you're like, well, well what is it? What, what's so important to Paul that he's praying with this kind of fervor and this kind of passion in his life? And he pay, prays for three things for the reader of the letter. The first one is for inner strength, for full understanding, 
and then finally for fulfillment. And we're going to spend just a few minutes on each of these as we kind of unpack them and then get to the idea of immeasurably more. Like that's the, 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 the meat of what we're going to get to, but it's important to understand what he's talking about here. The first thing is inner strength. Paul is praying that believers should be strengthened with power, but the important thing to understand is the power that Paul's praying for is not the power of ourselves. Paul's not praying for business savvy or emotional intelligence or any of these other things. Paul's praying that the Holy Spirit inside of us will be the source of our strength and the source of our power, that the Holy Spirit will take all the the dips and valleys in our personality and our character and smooth that out so that God can be glorified through it. And, And that's huge because I don't know about you guys, but I got some dips in my personality in a couple places. Just a few. Don't ask Adrian. Um, But it's important to understand that that's what Paul's praying for, that that God is, through his spirit in you, is able to to smooth those things out and give you strength. The readers of this letter um, were facing a lot of persecution. And then not only were they facing persecution, but there were false false prophets all in, in their midst. And they were just starting new ideas and heretical ideas, and they were just really messing with the unity of the body here. And so what was important to understand this inner strength is with all that exterior stress, Paul wanted the believer to be strong, but not on their strength, on God's strength. Because Paul, if anyone, understood that, that we would fall. I mean, our, our strength only goes so far. It doesn't matter how self-confident you are, how self-assured you are, you're going to fail at some point because we're human. But he said, God doesn't fail. And so by God's Spirit in you and the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, I pray that he's able to strengthen you against these outside stresses, the outside forces that are pushing in on you. And that requires a supernatural kind of strength. And thankfully, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit has to offer us as believers, a supernatural kind of strength. So inner strength was the first aspect of Paul's prayer. The second part starts in verse 18. It says, May have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ. There's a lot of imagery that comes to play right in this very beginning first part of 18. It talks about the breadth and the length and the width and the height. And what Paul is trying to do is get to the, the proportions and the boundaries of what God's love for us is. Is that something we can really understand? No. Because love is such a busted thing for us in this world. We, we love people. We love football teams. We love steak a certain way. Like, there's, there's so many things that we apply love to that's just not really what the Word's getting at. So what Paul's saying is that I want you to understand God's love, and I want you to see how wide and how deep and how long and how long-suffering that love is. And that's exactly what he's talking about here in the second part. That he wants them to be filled with understanding of, of God. And it's not just to know the boundaries of God's love. I think it's important to understand, uh, with false teachers in the midst of the people here in, in Ephesus, there would have been a lot of, of discussion and pride based on their knowledge and their wisdom of things. And that's what Paul's getting away from. He's like, it's not about knowing these things. It's about experiencing these things. The way he phrased the sentence, the way he worded it right here. It's not about saying... I want you to have a head knowledge of God and his love for you. Paul's saying, I'm praying that you have a heart knowledge, that you experience God's love for you through Christ. And that is so much different than just having a head knowledge. He doesn't want them to know the Jesus stories that you learn in Sunday school. He wants them to know Jesus personally. So that's the second aspect of his prayer. And the third is fulfillment. And like I said, I, I kind of did a, a misjustice to this whole thing. Like I just butchered it. Fulfillment is so far under what Paul was talking about here. But as I was trying to get the sermon together and trying to get an idea, this is the word that just came to me. I'm not talking about contentment or your, your abundance of things. Like that's not the fulfillment that we're talking about here. Even though that's kind of what we tend to stick it as. Paul was not asking for his believers to feel content. He was one of the readers to be filled with the fullness of God. 
And that's what he prayed for in the next section. Wanted to be filled with the fullness of God. Listen to that. Filled with the fullness of God. Can we be filled, really, with the fullness of God? No. Because we're broken. We're fallen vessels. We, don't, we can't hold it all. Christ was the only person that was able to have all of God in the flesh. And he's the only one that will ever be able to pull that off. So what exactly is Paul saying? I mean, how are we to, to contain the fullness of God? And I think it means very much understanding that we're broken vessels. He wants God to seep through all the cracks and all the pores and all the aspects of our life. He wants us to be so full of God's personality and his characteristics and, and his, his love that it just goes out of us. And everything that we do, God's love is evident and it's there. People that are filled with God and filled with the Spirit in these situations, you've seen them around. Whether it's at a workplace and it's gotten tense and they've been able to calm things down, that's someone that has God flowing out of them. Whether it's in a home situation where feelings are hurt and someone comes in as a peacemaker, that's God's Spirit flowing through their life. That's the exact thing that Paul's praying for. That fulfillment or that filling of God's presence demonstrates itself through impact and through kind of a calming nature. Um, So those were the three. And we see by having three points that Paul apparently paid attention in his seminary class on how to preach from the Pharisees that he has three points. But that's really not what we're getting at. That's just the three points that we worked up to. Um, Paul was a very knowledgeable person. He was a very wise person, very studied person. If you think about just the, the ability that he had to contextualize the gospel in all different settings, if you look through the book of Acts and, and how he interacted with people in different places and would take what they knew and what was familiar to them and, and put the gospel right into it so that it was fresh and real and alive to them. I, I wish I could pull that off like he could. And then Paul also was a great penman. I mean, he wrote a big chunk of the New Testament, the letters that he wrote to the churches that he encouraged. So Paul was not a person that would just quickly run out of words. I mean, he had a a good vocabulary. He had the ability to express himself well. But what we find in verse 20 as we get to it is that Paul basically ran out of words. He reached a cap of what he was able to get across. These three things are massive if you think about what they really mean. That we can understand, that we can be filled with to the point that we overflow. Those those things are so important. But Paul's like, that's, that's just not enough. And so at this point in the, in the letter, in the point of the prayer, he basically turns to God's immenseness. And he says, you know what, God, I, I have failed. Like, I, I have tried with the best of my verbs and the best of my sentence structures to communicate what I want for these people, but it's just not enough. I want more. And so instead of praying over these silly things anymore, I'm just going to say, God, in, in your immenseness, I pray that you are able to open up into these people's lives. And that's that passage we see. I'm going to read it. It's verse 20 and 21. Of Ephesians 3. It says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And this is kind of a closing doxology. Paul had prayed the prayer, he'd got interrupted a little bit in the middle, and then he got back to it in 14 through 19, and then in 20 we see him kind of close it out. And he just says, You know what? It's not enough that I prayed these big things. I want more. Because, God, you are capable of so much more in the lives of your people. As I was studying this, I looked through a couple different translations to figure out how they chose to use that immeasurably more word, that that first part of that sentence. And in the ESV, which is what we just read, it says, far more abundantly. The King James says it's exceedingly abundantly above all. I love how poetic that is. Exceedingly abundantly above all. The New Century Version says much more than anything. The New Living says accomplish infinitely more. And then finally, the NIV says immeasurably more, and that's where we get our takeaway. 
It was shorter and it worked well. Immeasurably more. More than we can even comprehend is what Paul is praying for on behalf of the people that are reading this letter and the people that he's giving this prayer up for. He's asking that God is able to do more than we can think, more than we can imagine. But to understand what it's for, it's not for the personal believer's growth. It's not for the the name to be made great of any one individual or any one church. It's for God's glory to be given back. If you look at the close of 21, it says, To him be glory in the church in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. So Paul is praying that on behalf of the believer, not only do we want these other three things, and those are important, but I'm going to open up myself to God's immenseness and dream and see what he wants me to do. And then step knowing that I have been strengthened and filled and understanding what God is trying to do in my life. And those three areas we talked about, understanding those things, open myself up to that and see what immeasurably more looks like. But then also making sure that he gives God the glory for whatever that immeasurably more comes out to. So as I was studying through this and I was working through the passage, this passage I've used in student ministry is a, is a kind of a vision casting verse for a long time. I'm going to be able to sit down and say, God, what do you want to do? And I think I have my list of things to do. And as I pray over him, sometimes he's like, Eric, that's really small. Mark that off. Let's go bigger. And that's kind of humbling, kind of scary at times as well. And so oftentimes I'll put this at the end of the list. I'll write Ephesians 3.20. And what that means is, God, basically I'm opening it up to you. Whatever you want to do, you let me know. And I pray that you let me be part of it as we walk this road. And that's kind of what we want to do for our own individual lives as well. We want to be able to say, God, do whatever it is that you want to do and help me be able to take the right steps to get it there, basically. Because God could do so much. So the question of the day as I was thinking through this was, what does it look like for us? What is immeasurably more? We think about the... Paul and the people he was writing to, the, the early church had some awesome stuff happen. And they did it because they were opening themselves up to God's immenseness and the work of the Holy Spirit. Can we still have those kind of awesome things happen today? Absolutely. I've seen it happen. I've seen it happen in people's lives. I've seen it in people, families that you just don't even know what's going on, and all of a sudden just this calmness comes over them. That's God's Spirit working through that family. And so I was trying to think, what does that look like for us? And every, everybody's story is different, and everyone's Potential is different as well because God built us that way. And personally, I'll share my story just of immeasurably more. There's been times in our life, mine and Adrian's life, where God has provided things that we just didn't understand why or how. Um, there's a need that we didn't even know was coming, and something would come in the mail, and it would take care of the need, and we, then the need pops up after the fact. And it's absolutely praise to God for those moments. And there's times when he has averted us from situations that we never even knew we were close to, like the edge of a cliff, and he redirected, and we didn't even know the cliff was there, but God took care of those things. So there's lots of instances that I could go through, but the one in particular of immeasurably more comes to mind um, of my school, my, my master's actually at Anderson. Um, Adrian and I had been at a marriage conference at Ridgecrest, and Dr. Gary Chapman was speaking, and the evening session of one of the nights, he said, you know what, I want you to go back to the rooms tonight and talk with your spouse, and just kind of dream together, like share your dream, share their dream, and then figure out what you can do to start chasing those things, because that's important for, for couples to be able to do that. And so uh, we went back to the room, and Adrian and I kind of talked for a little while, and Adrian's dream came out to be that she didn't want to go back to work full-time, that she wanted to have the time with our children as a priority. She could work when she wanted to, but not a full-time position. Um, we realized that wasn't just allowing her to do what she wanted, and by God's grace and by God's provision, we've been able to make that happen. Um, have we sacrificed other things? Yeah, absolutely, but it's totally been worth it, because that was what was a priority for her and for us as a couple, was to be able to let her have time with the family. And so I got to my dream, and I was all excited, because it was my dream. And then my dream was to go back to school, because I wanted to go back to seminary. And it wasn't because I wanted the thing on my wall, and not that that made me any better of a person, but because I wanted to be sharper, and I wanted to be more able to handle what God was going to do through the ministry that he had called me to. And I want to be able to, to be better equipped to serve. 
in the ministry that he had called me to. Um, for those of you that know my story, I went to Clemson University. I felt a call to ministry like the last part of Clemson University, so I went ahead and finished my degree program there um, in forest resource management. Woo! And um, <laughs> it was a blast, though, I must say. And um, I had my degree, and, and as God was kind of transitioning me into more ministry opportunities, I'm like, all right, well, what's going to happen next? Seminary be the next step, so let's go from there. And so um, the initial plan was for me to go to school straight out of college, right, when I graduated from Clemson, head up to a seminary in Richmond. And Adrian still hadn't finished school, so she'd be here by herself for the first six months of our marriage. And God said, that's not a good idea. We're not going to do that. And I'm very thankful that we listened to that because um, I just didn't think that was a wise thing for us, and our marriage is better because of that. And so instead of going straight to seminary, I found a job to pay the bills that come with being married and those other fun things. And I worked at a furniture store for a little while, um, which was somewhat related to a forestry degree, I guess. Um, <laughs> those of you parents, yes, degree programs do work. Um, my parents sit on the front row today, yes, good. Um, and then also, um, I worked for a bank for a few years as well. Again, have nothing to do with my major degree on that one. Um, and I'd, after the time at the bank, God allowed me to start serving full-time in ministry. And I was able to serve, and I felt like I was doing a great job. And I mean, kids were growing and all that kind of stuff, but I still had this dream in my heart of going back to school. And it was for me and for the ministry that God had placed in my heart and the passion that he had given me. But it just wasn't going to work. I mean, it just wasn't going to work. But anyway, so I shared the dream that night, and we kind of prayed over it in, in, in God's awesome timing and, and his amazing sense of humor. Um, that Monday when we got back, there was a card in the mail from Anderson University that they were starting a new master's program that was a distance learning master's program. I'm like, hey, that's kind of funny. Um, because that's exactly what we'd have to have work. I mean, I had a full-time job, and I had extra commitments on top of that, and I had a wife and kids, and it just, yeah, going back to school full-time was not an option for me at that point in time. But this program met either online or met on Tuesday nights, and Anderson from Greenville was about a 40-minute drive. Um, and what was amazing is another friend of mine from the church that we were serving at, he had felt called to ministry as well, and he wanted to get started. So both of us got to start at the same time and have this cool carpool back and forth, and, man, it was just awesome. But the scary part, it fit all of our schedule, it fit all of the needs that we had, except for one, it totally didn't fit our budget. Anyone else with me on that one? Totally did not fit the budget at all. I had just finished paying my undergrad school loans. Thanks for my student loans on that one. Um, and I was done with that, and I'm like, all right, do I really want to go into this again? Looking at the books, I'm like, there's no way I can go into this again. As a matter of fact, the money for the application process I borrowed from my grandmother. She's like... I want you to do this. If this is what you feel called to do, then here, let me help. And so I started. Um, I started the process. I sent my application in, and and we started looking on paper. um, And we were very depressed trying to make a budget work, and it just wasn't working. The budget sheet was continually in the red. Like, it just wasn't going to happen. But we both felt that this was what God wanted to do. And so we prayed this immeasurably more concept. God, we are at our end. Like, logic is gone. We are completely relying on you at this point in time. It is completely in your hands. If this is what you want, provide it and take care of it. And I will step happily through the door that you open or close. And so in light of that, he opened this door, and I was able to go to school. And if you look at the, the, the finances for those two and a half years, then it should not have worked at all. Um, if anyone audited our budget, those on a monthly basis, they would laugh at us because <laughs> it didn't work. But for some reason, I walked away, and I didn't have any loans. I had no borrowed payments. I walked across graduation totally paid for by God's grace, and that was the immeasurably more in my life. So that's my example, and that's easy to point back to. You might not have something like that, but what does immeasurably more look like for you? Let me tell you three things that's not, real quick, and then two things that it could be. Immeasurably more does not mean wealth. Clear, clear the air on that one. Immeasurably more does not mean wealth. You are not praying for God to enlarge your bank account by saying, God, do immeasurably more in my life. It does not mean that you are going to have popularity either. 
You're not saying, God, make me a cooler person so I can impact more people. That is not immeasurably more that he's looking at here in this passage. And it's not by your, your fame either. For those of you in the workplace, it's not by your title. It's not by the, the promotion that you're hoping for. Immeasurably more doesn't necessarily tie into that. Don't expect those three things. But what you can expect is God to open opportunities for kingdom impact. And by kingdom impact, I mean God's going to put people in your path for you to interact with. And whether that's at home, whether that's at work, whether that's at school, wherever that is, sports teams, whatever it is, God is going to give you those interactions. That's what immeasurably more looks like. Whether it be through kingdom impact or kingdom potential, things that God has allowed you to do. So why is it that I think God gave me this, this chapter and this verse today? Because we're moving into a new year. How many of you make New Year's resolutions? Okay, be honest. That can be your New Year's resolution. Be honest. <laughs> All right, so of those three or four people that were honest and raised their hand, how many of you break your New Year's resolutions before March? Most of you, yes. Working in the fitness industry, as Adrian and I have in the past, um, <laughs> and I'm going to call some people out that might be sitting in the room, January is a great time for fitness business, right? It goes gangbuster. You get people that you don't ever see again come in in January. They sign up. They put their name on the dotted line. They start their draft, whatever it is, however you handle that. And then you see them maybe till March, and then you don't see them again. It's just how it is. They're gone. Because something else takes priority, or that resolution wears off, or it's too hard to get to where I want to be. So what I'm asking you is, as we look at this idea of what Paul was praying for, don't say, I'm setting a resolution to do this. Pray, God, what do you want me to do in 2015? What door are you going to open for me to step through? What relationship have you built over the past few years for me to speak into this year? Those aren't resolutions, man. Those are goals. Those are kingdom goals. Those are things that God is going to honor. And he's going to give you the strength and the understanding and the fulfillment to do that. That is exactly what Paul is praying for here. This immeasurably more is so much more than just a New Year's resolution. You could be, it could be in your workplace. Um, and, and God has been building a relationship with someone that you work with. That Whether you know where they stand for eternity or not, he still allowed you to speak into their life in some way. So pray over that. God, is this the year that you want me to speak? It could be in your home. There could be a situation, a relationship that's troubled that you need to fix. And it could be someone else's fault. Listen to me. It could be someone else's fault, and it's your responsibility to fix it. That's, that's what immeasurably more looks like in a reality sense, like in our world. Immeasurably more means we go above and beyond. So I've challenged you now to not make <laughs> New Year's resolutions. Sorry. And I have challenged you instead to be open to God's immeasurably more, what he wants to do in your life. But the important part about that is you need to make sure that you're accountable to someone on that as well. And I know accountability is like something that makes people nervous and uncomfortable. But what I'm saying is, is share your dream with someone. I mean, that's an easy part, right? Like, that's not like saying, hey, get in my business weekly and, and find out what's going on. This is just share a dream with someone. Like, God has laid this on my heart, and it's really cool, and I have no idea what the first step looks like. But this is what I want to see. And this is what I think God is calling me towards. Share that with someone, whether it's your spouse, whether it's someone in your Bible study, whether it's someone in your small group, whether it's someone at work, whether it's, if all else fails, call one of us pastors. We'd love to hear it too. I know we're like third or fourth or fifth on the list, but that's okay. We're cool with that. We still love you guys too. Um, so find someone and be accountable to them and say, look, here's my dream. Here's what I think God wants me to do. And then allow y'all to, to kind of converse back and forth on that and see. But before we close, I've got to be true to the statement just as Paul did at 20 and 21. He said, God, do immeasurably more through these people, but do it for your glory, not for theirs. And so I ask the same thing for you. As you get ready for 2015 and you're going to do immeasurably more, you're going to step out of here and God say, do more in my life today. 
Make sure that you don't say, look at me, look at me, look at me. Put that aside. Let that behavior die. And say instead, God, look at, look at you and point people back to you through the immeasurably more that's going on in your life. That's ultimately what it's about. God's glory is the center of all that Paul is asking for here. And it's the same that we can pray for each other. That we need to pray for one another to see immeasurably more done in our lives, in our communities, in our workplaces, in our homes, and then give God the glory for that. That's ultimately what it comes down to. That's the challenge for 2015. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for the fact that you are a God of immeasurably more, that when we set boundaries, God, you blow right through those. And so in our lives, in our homes, in our workplaces, God, may we be the men and women that we need to be for you. And may we see immeasurably more done for the kingdom. Not for us, but for the kingdom. So God, in this time now, um, as we have just some music and some worship, um, deal with us in a very real way. Allow us to feel the movement of the Spirit and the direction that we need to go. And allow us to dream. Dream big. Because God, the, the, the size of box that you actually reside in is so not even understandable to us. So help us to be able to dream big, Father God. And react and be faithful in stepping forward in what you want us to do. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.